I love the flexibility of working in all different kinds of places. I'm the one who's doing a Zoom from the park while I'm walking the dogs. And working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile's. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. So you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need. They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anyone else. So whether you're on a big interstate like I am every single weekend or maybe you're on a road trip, you can stream and download your favorite entertainment channel hotel reviews, and make those all-important restaurant reservations. And with all that coverage, you can stay connected to the people you care about most and also your co-workers. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Monday, August 2nd. It's August, which is really one of my favorite months because it's the month where I take a lot of time off, hopefully. This could be a banner year for me. I might get a real two-week vacation, maybe even a little bit longer. I'm going to work that third week, Mark, I decided, but not not hard. I'm going to go like half time. I'm so psyched. So we're going to put a whole bunch of episodes into the can so that you guys have a nice flow of podcasts. If you'd like to come on the show with us, just send an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Or if you're on the website, jillonmoney.com, we've got a contact button. You can, of course, just write an email. But if you want to come on live, Mark does the rest. He does all the technology and all that fun planning stuff and scheduling. It's better when you come on live. I I don't mind reading the emails. I'm just saying that I think you guys tell your stories better than I can read them. Okay. That said, Ellen has a question and her subject is, what now? Dear Jill and Mark, I recently discovered the show and I'm hooked. I love the smart to the point information and how you help others solve their dilemmas. Here's mine in a nutshell. Married ages 52 and 53. Spouse works 102 grand a year, state employee, seven years left until he can retire with full benefits. Oh, I love that. Oh, she lost her job with COVID closures. She was making uh, $12,000 a year, but she says, I loved it and I miss it. Hmm, that's a bummer. I'd like to volunteer in the same field. Here are our assets. Their houses were somewhere between 800 and a million bucks. The mortgage is $180,000. Uh, the rate is 3.6%. Spouse has a 403B with $350,000. She's got a brokerage account, $350,000, mostly large caps with a growth and dividend focus and a recently started Roth. Inheritance. This was a surprise. I thought it was a few hundred thousand. It's actually 1.25 million, also mostly in large caps. Relative's house to be sold will likely net one and a half to two and a half million dollars. Oh my God. All right. House needs major work. 
we're mulling selling it or renting, but either way, the work needs to be done first. What's the best way to finance that? So I think you should definitely use the inheritance because as you note, the cost basis at this um, was set about six months ago when her mother passed away. So yes, I would make this, the inheritance money should be where all of the cash needs come, that $100,000 that you need. The next thing I would do is I would set aside some of this money also to convert your husband's 403B. And then I wouldn't mind making it a more balanced account um, and selling whatever you need to sell. Again, the house stuff, the Roth conversion money, and then sell what you need to sell and buy index or bond ETFs to make it a more balanced account. She says, so there's a little twist here uh, in the brokerage account and in the inherited assets, a sizable chunk of REIT stock, a total of 240000 between the two. I'd like to hold on to it for sentimental reasons as the company was started by my father. It pays a nice dividend. You know, for sentimental purposes, I'd like you to not be overly allocated in this one REIT stock. Again, you want to keep it in your own account, fine. Just make sure it is, you know, it is not more than 5% of your total invested assets. But if you want to keep it sentimental, keep it in the place where it has the low, lower cost basis and sell the rest. The other question is, um, the relative's house, best move with the cash from that? Do we wait until the sale to move using a 1031 exchange and keeping our house as a rental? Oh, no. That is such a pain in the ass. Don't do that. Keep the cash and use it as your total retirement planning asset base. And if you're feeling, and she writes, we're feeling a bit overwhelmed with all the moving parts, I think it's time to get an advisor. I would certainly be inclined with this. This is a big chunk of money in the, at the end of the day, because, you know, it starts off that, you know, my spouse makes $102,000 a year and I lost my job. But now all of a sudden there's 350 grand, 700. Now there's uh, 2 million, there's 4 million. It's like 4 million bucks here. It's very confusing. So we're going to send you some names and you'll let us know what you think. Leslie is 67, her husband's 81. We both worked as teachers. We're retired now with decent pensions. We're collecting social security. We have some money and some retirement accounts in the stock market, some fixed investments and cash savings. We own real estate and a retirement condo in the South. Our two kids are well-employed. They don't need any money from us. We do not have and likely will not have grandchildren. Okay. We've got some individual equities as well. We have money in regular savings accounts that are earning bupkis. She didn't say bupkis. I said it. She said nothing. Where can I put money to earn more income? We've got plenty of money to live on, plenty of savings. We're fine financially. We have not noticed a change in our lifestyle. We can afford to do what we'd like. I feel like we've got too much money in cash and savings. It's not growing. It's not doing anything. Hey, hey, Leslie, how about this? Even put a few bucks into cryptocurrency. I could afford to put more money in risky investments, but not really my thing. I'm not worried for the future. I feel like I'm wasting opportunities. What do you recommend? P.S. I know some people struggle, especially during this weird employment time and pandemic. I'm not complaining. We do donate to charity. Okay. You know, look, if you have extra money, okay, and you want to put it to use and you want to get real safe with it, then go to depositaccounts.com. You can look for higher yielding money markets, CDs. If you want to add a little bit of juice to your portfolio, sure, fine. But I have to say, there's a part of this that's, you know, if everything's going well, why are we asking for trouble? You know? So I, I don't want to be glib about this, but, you know, if you want it to be safe, 
then go to depositaccounts.com. If you want to add a little juice to it, that's fine too. And if you want to do nothing, then give more of your money away. Here's Alan with a question about the pro rata rule with Roth conversions. The pro rata rule is an IRS rule that says what amount of your account is subject or not subject to taxes when you do the conversion from a traditional to a Roth. The rule says that you have to push all of your IRA money together to determine how much income tax you owe when you convert. If you have no other IRAs and you open up a non-deductible $5,000 IRA, right? You just throw money in or $6,000 and then you convert it, you owe tax on the earnings, if any. But if you have $95,000 in a traditional IRA and you're trying to convert the non-deductible IRA, the conversion would be partially, mostly taxable at 95%. So what I want you to know is that the barrier to the backdoor Roth is this thing called the pro rata rule. The whole point of a backdoor Roth is you put money in after tax into this thing called a non-deductible IRA and then quickly turn the switch over and make it a Roth IRA. But if there's other IRA money outstanding that's pre-tax money, it screws it up. Okay. So how do you remove pre-tax money from the equation? The easiest way is if you have, if you're able to, you move it into your employer plans. So if you have, if you're still working, that's the easiest thing to do is you have an old IRA floating around, roll it into your 401k. All right. But uh, if they don't allow that, you may want to hold off on the conversion. All right. Kelly says, I've got a question about retirement. I'm 60 years old. My husband is 58. We've got a million dollars in savings, which includes an IRA, Roth IRAs, a SEP IRA, and a profit sharing that my husband has at work. We have $1 million in assets. This must be an additional that's paid off. So they've, oh my gosh, they've got two triplex investment properties, a condo, a two family home, and their primary residence. Okay. Kelly's got her own business. Nets around $80,000. The rental properties bring in $110,000. I would like my husband to go part-time, which I think he could easily do. Right now, he makes $60,000 a year, but, oh, he's got the benefits. Um, they own a boat, costs about fifteen grand a year between the marina and the winter storage. I would still have my business, which my husband is a big part of, with. What are your thoughts? Thanks so much. <sighs> Can he go part-time and keep his benefits? Can he go to at least uh, maybe reduce time, I wouldn't give up my benefits. So number one choice I say is reduce work just to the point where you can keep your benefits. I guess you should go on the marketplace and the Affordable Care Act and shop and see just how much it will cost. But you know, you got a lot of money, but you don't have a lot of liquidity. So I'd like for you to keep those benefits as long as possible. All right. This is Don who says, thanks for all the knowledge you share on your show. I'd appreciate your thoughts on how LLC business owners should view financial rules of thumb because separating business and personal money is different for us than non-business owners. Emergency funds, net worth, investment portfolio, a little differently because of the cash we leave in the business. For example, my wife and I have six months of emergency money in our savings account. We also have a couple hundred thousand dollars in our agency. To me, that means we've got a lot more emergency cushion because it is easily accessible because of a simple draw. Another example, they're aggressively invested 80-20 stock to bond in their investment mix until you consider the money in the business. Then the number changes. What are your thoughts? Okay, here's really what they have. You ready? 
They're, uh, he's 58, wife is 54. Kids are launched 26 and 22. He makes 250, she makes 20 grand. He maxes a simple IRA. He's going to work until age 62 and then remain on as a consultant until 65. So they've got $95,000 in emergency savings. Okay, that's fine. 850 grand in a simple IRA, 225,000 in business equity and home equity of about 390,000. So here's what I would say, Don. I wouldn't be so cavalier about, yeah, I could just grab my business equity whenever I want. That's fine. But even if that were the case, you make a lot of money. I'm surprised you don't have more saved. And I would say that business equity thing, I, I'm not into this whole, but I think the, L, I mean, I have an LLC, so, you know, I, I'm familiar with this. I'm not exactly sure why you don't have just, instead of having money in a business equity, like take the money out and invest it or invest it inside of a, uh, a corporate account or talk to an attorney, I mean, uh, a, a CPA about this. But my guess is that they could start to really aggressively save right now. But I, I think maybe they got to do a little bit more on the savings front. Check your numbers, but I think you should. All right, that's it. That's the program. Have I been a buzzkill today, Mark? I know. It's not really good. It's not great. I'm sorry. I think that, that many of the people out there who are looking hard at trying to save money and um, and retire and do that, like, run your numbers. You can do this, especially if you're running a business. You know how to very quickly run an analysis of the future. Thank you very much for listening. If you have a financial question, ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. If you're on our website, jillonmoney.com, hit the contact button. That's all you got to do and we'll get it. Don't forget to subscribe to us if you're listening to this on YouTube and uh, tell your friends all about the program because we are expanding our audience day by day. It's great. Thank you very much for listening. Please do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.